All right, we finished the basic overview uh, of the theological message, some of the great themes uh, in the book of Exodus. Now we're going to look at some of the specific things. I'm not going to uh, deal with every single chapter or every single specific theme in the book, but we'll highlight uh, a few of the uh, specific arguments that I think are most uh, significant in the book's message. And what I want to begin today is looking at some of the tests uh, of faith that Israel uh, experienced all the way through uh, this particular period of their history. Uh, and I, I trust there will be some significant lessons for us. Is that thing doing that, whatever it does? I'm hearing you in two places delayed. Do you realize, Charlie, there are people who would die for that? You know what uh, no comment. I would think not. Well, you can take that any number of ways, I guess, can't you? All right. Uh, I say I think this is going to be a, uh, I, I think a helpful uh, survey for us because there's so much of the Christian life uh, that consists of test after trial after test after trial, uh, and the way of faith is, uh, in many ways, a school of faith. Uh, I'm a teacher, and every so often I will have students auditing. Uh, my classes. Um, always a little suspicious of audits, but nonetheless, I have students from time to time auditing uh, my classes. Uh, and for, for a while, in many ways, I think during at least the course of the semester, they're the envy uh, of all of the other students. They are free from any of the responsibilities. Uh, they don't have to take any of the tests. They don't have to do any of the projects. They just sit there uh, and listen to this veritable fountain uh, of knowledge. Yeah, uh, right. You people know me. Uh, and, and I say, on the surface, at least for a while, they're the envy of the uh, of the class. But then, uh, when it's all said and done, and they look at their records, uh, all they have is the AU, and it does them no good as far as uh, their program or their degree is concerned. Uh, to take the class, you have to stand through, uh, you have to do the work, you have to do the assignments, and you have to take the tests. Uh, and while it's not a pleasant experience always in the process, uh, the end result uh, is that you have gained something that will do you good and contribute to your, uh, to your program. Uh, and uh, I think in many ways, that's what the Christian life is. Uh, we're in a school of faith, uh, and there are tests that come one after the other. Uh, and there's no such thing uh, as auditing Christianity. All right? You can't sign up for this thing as an audit. Uh, you, have to, uh, you have to go through all of the assignments. You have to do all of the tests. And it's part of the learning process. Uh, and I think certainly that becomes a very fitting analogy uh, as we look at what was happening here. Uh, in the book of Exodus. There was a series of test after test after test. Uh, walking, uh, walking by faith is never quite as easy uh, as walking by sight. Uh, and that's going to be the, the, the contest, if you will, the conflict that I want us to be aware of. Uh, when the people uh, responded to these tests and these trials that God put before them, when they responded to those by sight, uh, there was always failure. 
uh, and there were always disappointments. But when they learned to look beyond what they saw and put their faith and their trust in the Lord, uh, then they passed that test successfully. Uh, and they came to learn the lessons. There's always an objective purpose, even in making mistakes, uh, as again as a teacher. Uh, I, I, as I give tests, one, it becomes a learning process. Uh, it's designed to discriminate uh, between students. Students don't like that. Students don't like to be discriminated between. Uh, but that's the purpose of the test, to discriminate, to make uh, the determination as to where they stand, how much they've learned, how much progress they have made. Uh, and uh, it becomes a learning process. Uh, and even from the mistakes, uh, from the mistakes, there are lessons then that can be uh, learned and we can reinforce uh, the primary truths. And this is exactly, again, what I see the Lord doing uh, here to these people, to the nation of Israel, uh, as he delivered them from the place of bondage and was leading them to that uh, promised land. Uh, there were tests, and many times there were failures, uh, and they missed some of the questions uh, that God put before them. Uh, but always there was a lesson that God was teaching them to bring them to a greater understanding and to a more advanced uh, state of their relationship with Him. So I think we, at the close of discussion last time, suggested four principal tests uh, that the Lord gave uh, to the people, and I want just to survey these uh, for the next little part of our study. Uh, and the first one brings us right here to chapter 4. Uh, this, in many ways, was the preliminary test, the preliminary exam uh, that God gave these people right in the land of Egypt. Uh, we've already established something of the call that God gave to Moses, remember, as he uh, gave Moses the instructions as to what he was going to do in delivering these people from uh, that iron furnace uh, of affliction. He came to them with the word of God. Uh, he had uh, this revelation from the Lord that I am that I am has sent you. Uh, you tell them that Jehovah uh, is the one that is going to deliver you from this place of bondage. Uh, and he came to them with that word of the Lord. Moses having received the commandment from God to go into Egypt and to make his way in the very presence of Pharaoh and demanding the release of these people, uh, Moses realized that he could not do that simply uh, in his own strength and his own ability and using his own skills of ingenuity. Uh, he knew that he needed a word from the Lord and God graciously gave him that word going into this situation. You can come on in. Not going to offend me. Just come on. got plenty of seats. Plenty of seats. Tim finished early today, so you never know when that's going to happen. All right, so uh, I say he had the word of God. He had that word of the Lord uh, that he was taking to these people uh, to announce to them this magnificent deliverance, that God was gracious, that God had heard uh, their cries and their groanings, uh, that God remembered the covenant that he had made with Abraham concerning this particular people. We've already established all of those themes. Uh, and so now with that word of power and with that word of authority, he comes and he announces to these people that God is going to fulfill his purpose uh, and God is going to deliver them from the place of bondage. Pick it up here then at uh, the closing verses of chapter 4, verse 29. Uh, verses 27, 28, Moses gives the preliminary word to Aaron. And now Aaron and Moses together go 
before the children of Israel. Verse 29, And Moses and Aaron went out and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Remember now the relationship between Aaron and Moses. Moses was still a bit intimidated here. Didn't think he had the skill and the ability to, uh, to speak to these people. So God established Aaron as Moses' mouthpiece. God would speak to Moses. Moses would speak to Aaron. And then Aaron would speak to the people. So we see that, uh, we see that pattern uh, here at the very beginning. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And here we go. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. This was the great response. All right, here, it was the, uh, here it was their response of faith to what God had uh, revealed to them. Uh, as soon as they heard that God had listened to their groanings, that God had seen their afflictions, that God had now raised up uh, Moses to be the deliverer, uh, they, responded, uh, they responded well. They believed the Lord. They believed the Word. This was not, uh, this was not just some airy-fairy belief. This was based upon the Word of God that was revealed to them. Uh, and they evidenced that belief in their genuine fear and their worshiping uh, of the Lord. They bowed their heads. They kneeled down, acknowledging and recognizing their absolute dependence now upon the Lord. Uh, what a great response. What a happy time this had to be to these slaves uh, in the place of bondage. Uh, a word of deliverance uh, has finally come. We've been here as slaves. We've been oppressed. And now here is a word from God that deliverance is going to come. Wonderful. So far, so good. Uh, there's hope given to them. Uh, in the midst of bondage, there was relief indeed in sight. But now then, now then comes, now then comes the test. Now comes the test. In chapter five, Moses and Aaron went in, and they addressed Pharaoh. It is time to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, "What are you talking about? I'm not going to let your people go. And if you have so much time uh, to go out and stop the work here on the making of these uh, cities, what you've been doing, then uh, we'll." will make things even tougher for you. Look at verse 7. Verse 6, And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, uh, You shall no more give the people straw to make brick, uh, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks which they did make hitherto, for uh, you shall lay upon them. You shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Uh, therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice. Uh, to our God, let their more work be laid upon them, that they may labor therein, and let them uh, not regard their vain uh, words. Immediately, immediately upon receiving the word of promise, immediately upon believing the Lord uh, and worshiping the Lord, here is now the promised deliverance, the promised relief. The first thing that happens in response to their belief and faith in the Lord is things got worse. Things got worse. Uh, and, and Pharaoh uh, gives the instructions. I want you to take away uh, the straw. You beat them a little bit if you have to. Uh, verse 14, And the officers of the children uh, of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and uh, demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as hitherto? Things got worse. They were under this 
extreme bondage, this extreme oppression, that uh, responsibilities were great enough. Uh, and now, as soon, I say, as they believe the Lord and Moses makes his way to Pharaoh, let my people go, Pharaoh responds by saying, if you've got that kind of time, if, if you're here conjuring up all of these plans, to, then we're going to give you more work. Take away the straw. Go get your own straw, but you better not diminish the work. Uh, and, when that was imp and that was impossible. You understand, that was impossible. They were already doing as much as physically was possible. Uh, and now this greater demand. And they failed to meet that demand. And so the leaders uh, of the people were beaten because they uh, had not failed or had not met that, uh, had not met that uh, required tally uh, for their labor. Uh, say that the, the providence of God here is most mysterious. Uh, their first step to freedom uh, was greater bondage. It's not quite what they expected. Uh, and according to their own promise, uh, their own interpretation of the promise anyway, they expected immediate deliverance. That as soon as Moses would give the word, they were having their marching orders and on their way. But that's not what happened. Immediately, here I say is the test. You get the promise of God. Have you ever experienced this? You get a word from God for this deliverance or that deliverance and, uh, and you believe and you worship God. Uh, and as soon as you open your eyes from prayer, bingo, bango, things are not only as bad as they were, they appear to be worse than they were. Uh, mysterious providence uh, of God that will take us sometimes in a path that we do not expect. Well, how did they respond? All right, there's the test. All right, here's the test question. Uh, not, not a long test, uh, but here is the question. How are you going to respond uh, to this which seems to be contrary to the promise? They had the promise of God. They had the word of God. That was fixed and that was clear. But now here comes a circumstance that does not seem to correspond to what that promise was. Now, how are you going to respond to that conflict, to that discrepancy between what the word of God very clearly was? And the word of God was clear there. Uh, God did not say this is going to happen before. God says you're going to be delivered from this. I'm going to come. But now here, is, uh, here immediately is a response or a circumstance uh, that did not correspond to the nature of that promise. Well, how, do you, how are you going to answer? How are you going to answer that question? Well, there's a wrong answer and a right answer. And we see both of those uh, developed here. Look at verse 19. Uh, and the officers uh, of the children of Israel did see that they were in an evil case. Uh, after it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks uh, and of your daily bread. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way and they came forth from Pharaoh. Uh, and they said unto them, uh, The Lord look upon you and judge because you have made uh, our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and to the eyes of his servants to put a sword uh, in their hand to slay us. Uh, and you go back in the earlier verses uh, and you'll find that the taskmasters uh, went uh, directly or the people went directly to Pharaoh. Uh, skipping Moses now. Why are, verse 15, the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, uh, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? Moses got, brought them the word. But now, as soon as the test came, they circumvent the word of the Lord. They circumvent that prophet. They ignore the word of God. All right? They ignore the word of God. They take matters into their own hands. They make their own appeal to the circumstances uh, and complained. They complained. Uh, bitterness against the prophet, bitterness against Moses here, who stood as the Lord to these people. Let's keep in mind here uh, that Moses was standing before these people as the prophet of God. 
He was the representative of God to these people. It was Moses that had the Word of God for these people. And the bitterness then that they are expressing and evidencing toward Moses was tantamount to their rejection and their bitterness toward God and the Word of God. They took matters, uh, I say, into their own hands. Uh, the murmurings, the reproaches, uh, they were cursing themselves now for trusting uh, what the Word uh, of the Lord was through Moses. Here is this tension, here is this doubt uh, and this bitterness and this complaining uh, that was taking place. Uh, what's going on? But I say it's not without significance that when the trouble began uh, and the things got worse, they left off going to Moses and they took the, mat they took the issue into their own hands. Uh, they went to Pharaoh just hoping that they could somehow uh, talk Pharaoh out of this uh, new circumstance and this increased burden, omitting the word uh, of the Lord. Uh, that's a natural response. It's the wrong response. It's the wrong answer to this question that God had put before them. Uh, but it was nonetheless uh, the wrong response. What was the right answer? Well, we see that expressed by Moses. Look at verses 22, 23. Uh, and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, uh, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Now Moses saw the same thing. Moses was put under the same test. Moses was not blind to what was going on. He saw the increased burden. He saw the increased oppression. He was not oblivious to it. But Moses took the issue to the Lord. He took the matter to the Lord. Obvious he didn't understand. It's obvious that Moses was looking at this and saying and confessing, there's stuff going on here that I don't understand. You said this, but this is happening. So the same tension was in the life of Moses. Uh, that The same uh, test was put uh, on his desk, as it were. But he takes the issue first and foremost to the Lord. He didn't go back to Pharaoh and say, now, are you sure you understood what I asked for? He takes the issue directly to the Lord. And there's boldness in the prayer here. There's boldness. Faith uh, was not doubting the end. Moses did not doubt the end, uh, but he didn't quite understand the way God was taking him to accomplish that end. Don't quite understand what's going on here. Uh, Lord, don't forget. Don't forget here to be gracious. Uh, faith becomes the link here between the conflict and the promise uh, that the Lord was giving to these people. All right, now that was the test. Good answer of Moses. He took the issue directly and squarely to the Lord. Now, what was God trying to teach them? All right, what was God trying to teach them? What was the lesson here? I say God <coughs> does not give test capriciously. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't give test just to kill time, right? doesn't... When I was a beginning teacher, right? when I was a beginning teacher, uh, and every uh, every day was a struggle to be able to kill that 50 minutes in, in the classroom, uh, right? Uh, I, I would schedule a lot of tests, right? I give a test. This, this will kill a period, and that will give me a little bit of relief. Uh, and well, I, now now I, if, if I had my way, I wouldn't give any tests except right at the end. Uh, 
But I say God was, was not giving the test of these people just to kill some time uh, because he didn't know what to do next. Uh, there was a purpose and there was an objective uh, that he had in this, uh, in this test. And it was designed for and foremost uh, to proclaim the glory of God. God was going in this test and through this test to make it sure, uh, to make it clear to them, to make it sure for them uh, that all glory was not given uh, to Moses, uh, that it was not given to the kindness of the heart of Pharaoh who uh, felt sorry for these oppressed people, uh, but that all the glory would be given to them. Now, it, it, it's not without significance that none of this was taken God by surprise. None of this was taken God by surprise. Look at chapter 3. Uh, look at back chapter 3. This is at the burning bush. The burning bush where God is making his initial call and giving his initial instructions uh, to Moses as to what he uh, is uh, going to be doing. Verse 19. The Lord says, I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. God is telling Moses up front that Pharaoh is not going to let the people go. Uh, some time ago, I, re I remember doing it here. In fact, we were just talking about it at home the other day. Uh, re remember, uh, when we first moved into this building, the first series that I did in here was on Romans. Remember that? On Romans. Uh, I was down there and you were all looking in that direction, right? And everybody was complaining because you couldn't see me back there. So we got that little thing that raised me up, little platform. And, and then for some reason, uh, we decided we were going to uh, build a session room over there. We even have a table, you see, back there against the wall. That's our session table. How long has it been there? Right? How long has it been there? We're looking for our session room. But in the meantime, the classroom has been like this. this is, but that's neither here nor there. But I'm, I'm saying, what did I'm saying? Oh, yes, because that's, I want a session room. Uh, all right? uh, the, uh, it's a nice table. All right? and there it is in that box. Uh, but whatever. In, in that study of Romans, we came to chapter 9. Right? In chapter 9, we came to that uh, example, sovereignty of God, and it deals there with uh, Isaac or in, in the birth of Jacob and Esau and, uh, and, and we have that example of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And I think I give you an ex did I give a whole lot of you an exercise or did I just make you do it, Sander? Everybody did it? Everybody did that little exercise, remember, on the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Uh, and, and, and we learned some important lessons there. Uh, and it was clear, one of the things that we learned there is that God hardened Pharaoh's heart before Pharaoh hardened his heart. Uh, now, the implications of that are far-reaching. We may go back and review that again sometime. I'm not going to go into it all right now. But except to say this. God was in control. All right? God was telling Moses up front. God told Moses right up front, when you get in there and you tell Pharaoh what I'm going to do, he's going to blow you off. All right? He's not going to receive. He is not going to let the people go. Not going to do it. And I'm telling you that's exactly what's happening. I'm going to harden his heart, the Lord says. Now, that was comforting. All right? Why is it that God told Moses that up front? I submit to you, notwithstanding whatever you want to do there with the sovereignty of God and whatever else that means, that was a word of comfort to Moses. All right? So here goes Moses. He has the word of God. He goes into Pharaoh says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. 
Moses could say, yeah, things are working here exactly according to plan. You see? They're working exactly according to plan. This is exactly what God said was going to happen, and this is exactly what is happening. Moses had that word. So I'm saying to you that this situation that we read of now historically, uh, in, in chapter 5, where things got worse and Pharaoh rejected the, uh, the uh, 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 command of Moses here, was right according to plan. Uh, God was bringing and making it clear that what was going to happen here was going to be a means of expressing my glory. Uh, and it's going to be clear that when you leave this place, it is my doing. Uh, it is not because of the generosity of Pharaoh. And, and I dare say that if Moses had gone in there uh, and Pharaoh says, oh, yeah, you people have been here long enough. You built this city for me and that city for me. Yeah, you, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we'd forever be looking at this and saying, you know, how gracious Pharaoh was. You see, how gracious Pharaoh was. Uh, how merciful Pharaoh was to let the people go. But no, sir. Uh, no, sir. God is making it clear here. Uh, from the very get-go, that this deliverance is going to be by the strength of my hand. Uh, it is not going to be because of this person and his kindness or this, uh, the eloquence of Moses or the logic of his presence. No, I'm going to bring you to the place where it becomes very clear that you're not going to get out of here unless I do it. You see? Uh, and, and so here are the circumstances. Here are the circumstances that put them even in greater bondage that they might come to earn. Uh, that uh, God is uh, that God is great, and where is all this leading? Where it's leading to the plagues, as God time after time showed Himself to be superior to the gods of the Egyptians. He showed Himself to be superior to Pharaoh. Remember, one of the first things that we studied here in this survey of Exodus uh, is that God was delivering these people by the strong arm of His power, by power, and then the Passover by blood. Uh, he's making it clear. Uh, that this deliverance is going to uh, is going to be all according uh, to His working, and therefore all the glory in this thing must be given uh, unto God. The second purpose uh, of, of this test, the second key lesson, uh, is to reinforce the reasonableness of faith. To reinforce the reasonableness uh, of faith. Look at chapter six now, uh, and verse number one. Your stuff being worse, Moses prays unto the Lord. What's going on here? Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out uh, of his hand. And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Same thing he told him with the burning bush. I am Jehovah. I am that I am. Nothing has changed. You see, Nothing has changed. My word hasn't changed. My promise hasn't changed. My presence with you has not in any way altered. You're going to see now. Now you will see. Now that you see this, that the circumstances are out of your control. Now that you see that the circumstances uh, are uh, evidencing Pharaoh's resistance uh, and the world's resistance against God and God's plan and God's purpose. Now that you see that, uh, see this again. Uh, see my presence with you. See that the word has not changed. Uh, put your attention directly and squarely upon me. This is what faith has to learn. Faith has to learn to cease in every way from man and to depend wholly and completely 
upon the Lord. And very often, very often we have to come to the end of ourselves. And very often the Lord will bring the circumstances and uh, situations into our life and, uh, that bring us to the end of ourselves uh, to remind us of our absolute and total dependence upon Him. That's a key lesson of faith. That is a key lesson of faith. It's the hard lesson of faith. Uh, what does it mean uh, to completely and totally depend upon God? Uh, and, and I dare say, when you put, it, it's easy for us now, reading this in the comfort of this little Sunday school room, uh, to, to see those lessons, uh, to go back and say, yes, you, you, you stupid Israelites, couldn't you see what God was trying to do? You see. Uh, and, and it's very easy. Tests are always easy when you've got the answers before you. Right? Tests are always easy when you've got the answers before you. Uh, but when you get the blank page of that test, no matter even if it's a test that you've taken before, see, it, becomes, it becomes a difficult, a difficult thing. I've done that as a teacher. Right? I've done that as a teacher. Uh, I, I give a test and, and they, you know, they don't do so well, maybe. And I say, all right, I'm going to give you the same test again. All right. Or on the next test, I'll take a lot of the questions that I had and put it on. And you know what? They'll miss the same questions again, having been told explicitly what the answers were. And I look at you people out there, not you people, my students, right? And I say, boys, oh boys, uh, keeps me in work. All right, keeps me in work. Uh, you know, how how is it that we can miss the same questions to the same over and over and over again? But then. Let's get let, let, let's us take the blank page, right? Let's get the blank test that God gives to us, uh, and, and we've seen His faithfulness, and we've seen His dependability, and we've seen His, uh, his, his kindness and His faithfulness to us over and over again, and, and we come to that place. Yes, uh, we depend upon God, and here we and, and now bingo, bango. Here's the next test, and it's like we've never seen it before, right? It's like it's a question that I have never in my life seen before. What am I going to do? And here comes all this junk and all this. Uh, Go, trying to take matters into our own hands again? How long does it take us to learn the lesson? How long? Well, if, if you're like me, uh, you know, we're, we, we, we apparently never learn it. We, we, know, we learn it for a little while. All right? We learn it for a little while. Uh, and and then, then we go on and we start getting comfortable again. And time for another test. Time for another test. But they did it all right here. All right. Once, once they, uh, once they learned the lesson, and, and, and once they realized that they didn't know everything, that God brought them down before He would raise them up here, they learned the lesson good, and God showed Himself. All right, and God showed Himself uh, in chapters seven uh, through eleven. God showed Himself strong, and God showed Himself mighty, and God showed these people through this plague and that plague and that plague and that plague. Uh, that Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt were absolutely nothing. These things are nothing. Not to worry. I can take care of Pharaoh. I can take care of this. And God demonstrated with magnificent support uh, and evidences His glory, His power, and showed to them the reasonableness uh, of faith. Uh, the reasonableness of faith. Faith very often, uh, and you, you know this and I know this, that faith very often is... Uh, it is beyond reason, uh, but it's never unreasonable. It's a difference between being unreasonable and beyond reason. A lot of stuff about God's Word I can't figure out. A lot of stuff that God does in my life I can't figure out, but it is never unreasonable 
uh, to put my trust and my faith and my confidence, uh, you see, in Him. That's the great lesson. That's what God was teaching them here at this first test. All right. Test number one. But that wasn't all. Test number two. Come to chapter 14. God brought them out of Egypt. It was clear, uh, absolutely clear, that God saw Pharaoh to be nothing. That the armies of the Egyptians, the gods of the Egyptians, were nothing. What glory God got to Himself as He brought these people out from the land of bondage. And as they left, uh, they spoiled the Egyptians. They went out rich. They went out victors. And uh, without a battle, all right, without having to conquer these Egyptians with a sword, they just gave them the booty. Take it and leave. Take it and leave. Uh, and, and they had the spoil of victory. They had the booty of victory. And they made their way out from the land of bondage. Everything is going really really well. High time in Israel's history. But, time for a test. Chapter 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Piharioth, between Migdal and the sea. Over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all the host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now here's the test. Here's the question of the mysterious providence of God. Kind of a perplexing question. Now I know we read these places here. Speak unto the children of Israel, tell them to camp at Piharioth and between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon. Uh, and, and we just kind of read those and says, okay, that's where they're going to spend the night. Helps if you know a little bit of the geography uh, of Egypt and Palestine. And, and you see, once you can at least get the general feel of the geography of this place, all of a sudden this becomes a very strange command. Uh, that God uh, gave the people. To leave Egypt from the land of Goshen where they were. You remember what Egypt? I don't have any place to draw a map here. Remember Egypt there? And you have the, the delta there, the delta region of Egypt there in uh, North Egypt, which is actually... It's a little confusing sometimes with Egypt, right? North Egypt is actually lower Egypt and South... But that's beside the point. Uh, but they're just in that, in that delta region, just to the... Uh, to the uh, east. East. I want east. I'm pointing from my direction here, Charles. you got to get in the game. All right. Uh, all right. East there of, of the Nile. All right. You've got this land of Goshen. Now, it was a straight shot. All right. It was basically a straight shot uh, to get from this land of Goshen in the land of Palestine. You just go up what's called the way of the Philistines, the way of the sea, and it was an easy way uh, into the land uh, of promise. But God says, don't want you to go that way. Right? Here in the providence of God, and see this to be a command of God, 
It wasn't that Moses had the map upside down. All right. Here is the command of God that says, no, I don't want you going that way. I want you to go that way. So, don't go straight. Go this way. And God made them turn in a strange direction. It says camp here. And at the command of God, at the command of God, they found themselves between the proverbial rock and hard place. At the command of God. They obeyed the word of the Lord. The land is going to be yours. But now, at the command of God, they turn this way instead of turning that way. And they find themselves there encamped by the sea. Can't go ahead anymore. Sea is there. And God says, I'm going to bring the Egyptians. Now, that was not a very happy thought. They had just left the Egyptians. And God says, I'm going to put you here where you can't go any uh, more forward. And the Egyptians are going to hear of this stupid thing that, and, that you've done. And it was. From a human perspective, it was a stupid thing uh, for Moses to lead the people in that direction. So it's like he had the map upside down. Uh, but at the command of God. And God put the sea before him. And God once again hardened Pharaoh's heart to get the uh, Egyptians convinced that this was a very strategic blunder that Moses had made with these people. And they began to pursue them. Chase after them. Here comes all of the chariots and all of the uh, host of Pharaoh's army. Shut in. They're cornered. No place to go. See in front of them? Egyptian army behind them? There's a mountain district on the side. They are cornered. The people are cornered. Pursuit becomes heavy. And here is the test of certain defeat. Here is the test of absolute certain defeat. The Egyptians, as they came, would have been absolutely sure that they were going to be victorious. I mean, here was a people that were just a bunch of slaves. They didn't know anything about weaponry. They didn't know anything about fighting. How are they going to stand against our chariots, against this strong army? And remember, uh, remember, and if we can plug this in to what we discussed earlier in our opening comments of Exodus, if I'm right now in, in terms of how we're dating this and with this Egyptian chronology that I'm inclined to follow now, this is, this is the army of Tutmos III. Uh, that's coming after these people. Tutmos III was the strongest military force in Egyptian history in this new empire period. Uh, so we're not talking here about just a little, uh, some, some toy soldiers that were coming. Uh, here was the strongest, mightiest military force on the face of the earth at that time, now in hot pursuit, in hot pursuit of these people. No place to go. Defeat, I say, was certain. I, I don't think Pharaoh had the slightest doubt in his mind uh, that as the armies, as his armies would overtake these people, he would kill a bunch of them and take the rest of them back to uh, start working on Python and Ramesses again. Uh, it was certain defeat. And I think the Israelites, from the response that we're going to see here, uh, they, they recognized that it was certain defeat for them. But Moses, again, is going to show us what the right response is. So, you're cornered. All right? That's the test here of defeat. They were cornered. No place to go. There appeared to be no place of relief from this mess that we're now in. We trust God. 
Again, we trust God. If, if they were here by their own foolishness, right? if they were there by their own foolishness, that would be one thing. But the people are here because they were following God. They were here because they were obeying the Word of God and now obeying God. I'm here in a place that appears just to be absolutely, absolutely hopeless. Circumstances, again, are just so very difficult. What to do? What to do? Well, that's the question. What to do? Well, we have right answers and wrong answers again. Verse 10. We have the wrong answer. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt uh, thus with us to carry us up forth? out of Egypt. Is this not uh, the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone, we'll serve the Egyptians? All of a sudden that bondage looked pretty good. This is the amazing thing. All of a sudden the bondage of what they had looked pretty good to them. Uh, Forgot how bad it was. They forgot how bad it was to be the slaves to the Egyptians. Now all of a sudden those are pleasant memories. Pleasant memories. Uh, There's the foolishness There's the foolishness. But can you see what led to this? They lifted up their eyes and they saw. They saw. You're walking by sight and not by faith. It's walking by sight. They lifted up their eyes and they saw. And what they saw were the Egyptians coming. So they complained. Faithlessness again. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. And I say it even affected their, their memories of how terrible uh, their bondage to the Egyptians were. Walking by sight. Well, my time is quickly going here. Let me just finish these thoughts because I won't be here next week. What was Moses' response? Moses saw the same thing. Again, understand that Moses was not looking at this from a distance. Moses saw the sea and Moses saw the Egyptians coming. He, saw, he got the same test. He got the same test paper. But rather, but rather, again we have the response of faith. Look at verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking unto the children of Israel? that they go forward. What did Moses do? The secret of faith enabled him to be more confident of the God that he could not see with the physical sight than what he saw with the physical sight, the Egyptians. And I say he saw with Moses' eyes were working just as well as everybody else's. He saw the sea, he saw the Egyptians. He says, fear not. That doesn't make any sense. Fear not.